Hi. How are you? I am good. How are you? Good, good. You know, um, it's really hot here. I don't know if there's a heat wave in Edinburgh, but... Yeah, not really, I don't think. There's a heat wave here and it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I checked the weather for, yeah, like, the area. And um, it was, what, like 90? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Global warming, man. Yeah. It's very scary to it's see. Happening. It's happening. I was like, I'm layering up for this plane ride in a few days. Like, is it going to be sweltering when I get there? <laughs> You're going to step off the plane and immediately have to delayer because it's so hot. Yeah. I think I'm going to get through, like, literally just get into the airport and immediately delayer. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know, the exciting thing is that next time we record, we're going to be in the same continent. Yeah, but not the same state. Yeah, that's that's also true. So um, rude of you. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But at least we'll be in the same time zone. <laughs> that's all that matters. I guess there's that. <laughs> it's a win. But anyway, enough about our sadness of separation. Um, <laughs> this week, I've got a really fun little paranormal story for you that's kind of like historical paranormal story area. Oh. Yeah, it's fun. Without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm Sonia. I'm Maddie. And welcome to Grim. Woo! Okay, so this is the story of the Woodstock vampires. And oh. it was a whole thing. I don't know if you've heard of this. I hadn't heard of it. But apparently, oh. it's a very famous period of time where they thought that everyone was a vampire. Oh, I might have. Yeah. Um, Maybe. Potentially. I feel like vampires are a phase, you know? It comes and goes. It's happened happened quite a bit. I think it started with Dracula, and then, you know, things happened, and people were like, you're a vampire, you're a vampire, everybody's a vampire. Kind of a vibe, you know? Yeah, Um, I get it, yeah. Yeah, so, as you probably know, New England is famous for horror stories, um, ghosts, hauntings, all of that, and I mean, like, by famous is in, like, horror writers, like Stephen King, and H.P. Lovecraft like they write their stories based on the myths and legends from New England so it's kind of like the area to be haunted Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the most famous of the New England paranormal panics was like the Salem witch trials in the late 1600s I think that's one that everyone knows about Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of the start of like the phases that were like panics about paranormal things happening um, so just about 200 years since that satanic panic caused the witch trials to happen, there was another type of paranormal panic, um, a supernatural delusion, if you will, and it was actually fueled by an outbreak of tuberculosis, which at the time was known as consumption. Um, so of course, it's the 1800s, and nobody knows how diseases spread, they just know <laughs> that someone dies And then people in the same family also succumb to the same illness. It could be later, it could be the same time, but everyone is is experiencing the same symptoms. Um, Mm. So, you know, we know now that tuberculosis is a contagious bacterial infection and it causes cavities or holes in um, the lungs and it kind of destroys respiratory tissue, which is why, you know, you see symptoms of people coughing up blood and then eventually like being unable to breathe. Um, yeah. And 
it spreads when people who are actively infectious, you know, sneeze or cough or somehow otherwise transmit their saliva through the air. Um, tell me you're not having flashbacks to COVID. <laughs> I know. <I'm> say. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Um, it does. Pandemics. Who knew? <laughs> um, most people who have tuberculosis are asymptomatic, um, but about 10% of latent infections can eventually become active. And if TB goes untreated, most people die of it because it is a quite quite a deadly little infection. Even if it's um, asymptomatic? Um, so it can, like, when it becomes active. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, like, so, there's... It, yeah, okay, I see, I see. Um, so people are more likely to become infected if they're living, you know, in close quarters with someone who has TB um, and... This is kind of the entirety of the living situation in the 1800s. So, um, large families, small, like really cold New England houses, you know, illnesses spread really fast. And if you don't know how it spreads, it can often feel supernatural. Mm. Um, You know, so people start seeing the symptoms of this disease and then seeing, you know, months later that another person in their family has caught the illness or has like started to experience the same symptoms and the thinking there was that you know there's no one in the house who has the disease anymore how is it spreading oh it must be that the deceased are returning back to earth to drain the life from their loved ones makes sense yeah so that's kind of what caused the uh, vampire panic of the 1800s um it started in like when when the whole tuberculosis outbreak started, but I think in February of 1793 in Manchester there were it was apparently like this gathering of like hundreds of people who came for this heartburning ceremony at this blacksmith shop, and that is this like early historical report that says quote Timothy Mead officiated at the altar in the sacrifice to the demon vampire who it was believed was still sucking the blood of the then-living wife of Captain Burton, end quote. So that was kind of like the news headline that happened, and that was like one of the first reports of vampiric activity with relation to tuberculosis. Wait, can you repeat that headline? <laughs> yeah, so... I don't think I got it all the first time. <laughs> that, so Timothy Mead officiated at the altar of a sacrifice to a demon vampire, who it was believed was still sucking at the blood of the then living wife of Captain Burton. Okay. Yeah, so (laughs) I think there was not really much more context of that, but what I'm gathering based on, you know, like what the rest of the um, reports of the vampiric activity were was that Captain Burton's wife was starting to succumb to tuberculosis. So people were like, oh, Captain Burton is coming back from the dead to suck the, mm. the life from his wife. As one does. As one does in the vampiric panic, you know. So did they have an explanation for why suddenly a loved one would want to kill their living loved one? You I know, have like... no idea. I think it was like, I feel like the thinking behind vampires is that they have no soul. Okay. So it's like, a, these are people who, I'm, who I know, and then I know that they're alive, so I'll go and kill them. Interesting. But that is pure speculation. I actually have no idea. <laughs> but that's what they thought. You know, they were like, it, it works within families. It must be that the dead are coming back to kill the living. 
Yes, yes. Not Honestly, if I didn't know about diseases, I'd, I'd feel like that was a, like, you know, I feel like that was a fair statement. I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. Like, I understand. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. So, um, the next kind of, like, big event that happened that was in most of the articles I read was about a man called Frederick Ransom. And he was a 20-year-old student at Dartmouth College who died of consumption. But the thing was that he came from a really wealthy family. So people thought that he was an unlikely victim. And like, even though he wasn't the first person to die of the disease, um, he did end up, quote unquote, sparking the flames of vampiric panic in Woodstock. Um, Because he died on February 14th, 1817. And when he died, his father was convinced that he would turn into a vampire and return to life and then kill the rest of the family. So what he did was he ordered that the body be exhumed from where it was buried and they removed the heart and burned the heart in order to protect the family. Hmm. And because it was kind of like he comes from this really wealthy family, you know, the people who have money must know what they're doing, I guess, the story became quite famous. Um, And his younger brother, Daniel Ransom, who was three at the time, ended up actually surviving the whole thing. I don't know how he did, but he did. And he later wrote, quote, it was said that if the heart of one of the family who died of consumption was taken out and burned, others would be free from it. And father, having some faith in the remedy, had the heart of Frederick taken out after he had been buried and it was burned in Captain Pearson's blacksmith forge, end quote. So that was kind of like the common practice at the time, you know, like to, to stop the disease spreading burn the heart um and you know even though he was three at the time he still remembered for like the rest of his life how frightened he was when the doctor visited the home to examine frederick and was like yes this is vampirism we got to burn the heart um sadly burning the heart did not stop it from you know kind of taking out the rest of his family um and his remaining family at the time did succumb to the illness but uh, you know his report kind of told us like what happened at the time and what the thinking behind it was like that kind of situation yeah. um I can't imagine being three years old and being told that your dead brother is going to come back to life to kill you yeah that's horrifying like, yeah it's really scary um yeah so the other kind of main story happened in the 1830s and this was the one that sparked the most panic because there was a very famous newspaper article written about this event um in the 1830s a man named corwin died of consumption and was laid to rest in woodstock's cushing cemetery which i think was a really common resting place for you know the residents of the village it kind of makes sense that there'd be like one main graveyard Mm-hmm. Um, but before he died, he was described as having very pale skin, no appetite, was sleeping a lot, especially during the day. You know, he barely left his bedchamber, spent most of the time in the dark. So, if you I mean, look at all these symptoms together, it does kind of. It also like a vampire. Just sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> Please, maybe you're a vampire. Have you ever tried drinking blood? Mm, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm, I'm actually I'm glad. <laughs> no worries. No worries here. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so just about six months after he died, Corwin's brother also kind of started displaying the same symptoms of tuberculosis. And this led many prominent men in the village, um, including Dr. Joseph Gallup and Dr. John Powers from the Vermont Medical College, to kind of come up with this drastic conclusion that Corwin had returned from the dead to feed on his brother's life force. Um, Because, you know, they were saying, it's six months later, like, of course, the only logical explanation is that it's a vampire. Um, So they exhumed his body for an autopsy. And according to the examination, it supposedly revealed that Corwin's heart was still fresh-looking and engorged with blood, not decayed at all. Um, that is creepy. Right? So that was, like, definitive proof. They were like, he's a vampire. Otherwise, how is the heart still, like, not decayed after six months? Um, yeah. So they decided at that point to follow the protocol and publicly burned the heart in the town square at Woodstock. Um, not after the public part. <laughs> yeah. Too much sense for me. I guess it was, like... It's the 1800s, like, what else are people yeah, going to do with their time? Their entertainment. Yeah, like, people came out to see, like, the Salem Witch Trials and everything. I feel like it's kind of yeah. similar to that. And, like, um, in a, you know, it's it's something public that's happening. Like, let's go see it. It's a spectacle. Yeah. Um, and also, I think that's how, like, the news spread. You know, if you hear about a heart burning, you go out and see it, and then you're like, oh, this is because they're vampires. And yeah, then it sure. becomes a thing. Um, but yeah, so after the townspeople were satisfied that the heart was burned properly enough, whatever, they decided that they would put the remains in an iron pot and bury this iron pot 15 feet in the ground. Um, and then just because they were like, what if it spreads? They covered it with a seven ton block of granite. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then they filled the hole back up with dirt and sprinkled the grave with blood from a young castrated bull. Okay. I don't know the thinking behind it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all I know is that that happened. Never heard of that one before. Yeah, it, I guess they thought it would work. I don't know. <laughs> they were um, like, oh, we just got this blood laying around. Let's just try it. Yeah, fresh blood stops the vampires. I don't know. Yeah. Um... The crazy thing is, a few years later, apparently a group of people heard about this burial, and they were like, you know what we should do today? We should dig up the grave. So they did, and they discovered that the rock, the ashes, and the pot had all disappeared. Mm. Are they sure they were digging the right place? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that's what I thought, but I think (laughs) at the time they were like, it has to be the right place. The vampire is back. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so... About six years later, on October 9th, 1890, the Vermont Standard ran a sensational headline, which was titled, Vampirism in Woodstock. And this article detailed the events that happened six years earlier when Corwin died of consumption, and it kind of popularized the event, let more people know it happened, caused the panic to spread more. Um, by this time, the entirety of New England was consumed by both tuberculosis and started to be consumed by the vampire panic that was spread by the article. Um, so Henry David Thoreau's journals actually do refer to some of the vampirism incidents. On September 26, 1859, he wrote, quote, 
The savage in man is never quite eradicated. I have just read of a family in Vermont who several of its members having died of consumption just burned the lungs, heart, and liver of the last deceased in order to prevent any more from having it, end quote. So it was quite a famous little event in New mm. England. Yeah. Um, yeah, just... It's really wild to think about a time before and, you know, at the time it must have seemed like the only explanation, you know? Yeah. And it just makes me think, what's going to happen a hundred years from now? Like, are they yeah. going to look back on us and be like, they were so stupid. Truly. You know? Yeah. Um, another case that was quite famous in the articles was in um, 1892 when Mercy Lena Brown's mother died of tuberculosis. And the disease spread through her family like it did with most other families. Um, killed her daughter, her son, finally ended up killing Mercy. Um, her father, George Brown, didn't believe in vampires when Mercy died. But his neighbors somehow convinced him that someone in the family was a vampire because how else would the whole family die? Like, there must have been some sort of... Um, thing happening someone has caused this um and he was really reluctant about it but eventually agreed to having mercy's body exhumed and given an autopsy and again allegedly this autopsy revealed that her body was still fresh and had actually turned in its grave um apparently her heart still contained fresh blood was engorged not decayed you know that whole deal Mm-hmm. Um, so people were like, yeah, she's the vampire, caused the outbreak. So what they did was that they cut her heart out, burned it, mixed the remains with water, and forced Mercy's surviving brother to drink it, because oh they thought that it would protect him from illness. Oh, that poor boy. It did not do mm. that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. So incidents like this happened all throughout New England. Um, I know there are more cases that were covered. I just, the these were the most popular ones that I read about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it became even more of a thing since publishing the articles about it. Um, and often, the very interesting thing was that, you know, these events, the cutting of the heart, the burning it, the calling it vampirism, first of all, mm-hmm. happened with the blessing or even, you know, at the recommendation of the town's leaders, the physicians, the ministers, the people who were known at the time for being reasonable and intelligent, because, you know, at the time, education wasn't as widespread as it now is. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, that's kind of debatable. That's not the point of the story. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know what they say, yeah. ignorance, fear, helplessness. Also, social pressure really causes people to believe and to do really stupid things sometimes. Yeah. Um, Finally, they kind of caught on to the fact that it was an illness, a bacterial infection. Um, And in the late 1800s, instead of calling it vampirism, they started prescribing clean and fresh air like, you know, the mountains or the oceans for people who had tuberculosis. And that's when the sanitariums opened throughout the United States and in Europe to people who could afford it. And we have talked about this before, how sometimes the sanatoriums were horrible places that treated people really badly. Yeah. Um, but again, we've covered that in, in other episodes, so I'm not going to go back into it. Um, finally, in 1882, 
they discovered the bacteria that caused TB. So they were like, okay, it's a bacterial infection. But it took 50 years to discover streptomycin, which was the antibiotic that allowed people to not die immediately from TB. Mm. Um, but yeah, so uh, crazy that the the whole, you know, vampire panic kind of caused another type of paranormal event that we've talked about that yeah. they're connected. I, you know, didn't realize that that was a thing that happened. You know, I, I always thought, like, when we talked about the sanatoriums and stuff like that, that it was like, oh, they knew it was a disease, and that's why they opened up the sanatoriums, but mm-hmm. completely forgot that there was a time before they <laughs> knew what diseases were. Yeah. Yeah, true. So yeah, that is the story that I have for you today. Uh, Very interesting. Vampires. Who thought? Yeah. Well, thank you. Of course. Do you have any life updates that you'd like to share to uh, change the topic for us? Yeah. Um, I finished my last final yesterday, so I am officially free. Hell yeah! Yeah. I spent the day doing some shopping. As you should. Um, I think a little bit of stress shopping because I don't want to leave and I'm so sad. Just don't leave. Just stay. <laughs> stay forever. You, you have, have the right to. idea with going abroad for all of I know. Right? It was a great thing. I think everyone should do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very sad about my last week here, but yeah, I did some good shopping. Have, um, I think I'm going to do St. Andrews tomorrow, which is fun. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just trying to fit some stuff into the last couple of days here. But at least you'll be reunited with your flatmates from before. Yes. Which will be nice. That'll, that is true. Very true. Um, but yeah, that is it for me. Do you have any life updates? It's a solid update. Um, Thank you. I have been doing absolutely nothing (laughs) it's been great I am almost done with season seven of new girl which I started watching last week so I love that for you or started rewatching. I I have Mm. watched it before but I was like oh you know I need to rewatch um made it through seven seasons in literally six days (laughs) (laughs) that's really sad no I think that's an accomplishment thank you thank you yeah yeah very um, impressive I'm waiting for Grey's Anatomy to get put on Netflix, season 18. Um, oh my god, that's a lot of seasons. <laughs> yeah. Damn, the I internet says that it will be here in a few days. Well, and yeah, I'm choosing to trust Google on that. And then I will be spending the rest of my time watching Grey's Anatomy. Um, so that is my life at the moment. I love that for you. Thank you. I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so that's just about it for me. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share? I do not, so I can spiel us out. Amazing. All right, you can find us uh, on Instagram at Grim Podcast. You can follow us, like our photos, DM us, and from our profile, there's a button to email us. You can email us at thegrimpodcast at gmail.com. You can stories we have covered, stories you want us to cover, or life updates of your own. We also have a Facebook, which is Grim Podcast, and a Twitter, which is Podcast Grim. And other than that, just leave us a good review and tell your friends and family about us. Yeah, and we will see you guys next week for um, some true crime from America. Yeah. It'll be really fun. Exciting stuff. But until then, stay safe out there.
Yeah. Prepare yourself for the vampires. They might be returning. <laughs> if they do, know. you know you know what to do. You know, take the heart, burn it, yes. bury it 15 feet under the ground, and cover the grave with some castrated bull blood. Until it disappears. Yep. That's my advice for you all. Good luck. I <laughs> <laughs> um, love it. Yeah, we will see you guys next week. Yes. Bye. Bye.